Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's post-game show that is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. I don't know why we always have the Michelob Ultra Moments after the Bucks lose. It's, and then we, then we just have to come up with some random thing that wasn't even that exciting uh, but anyway, the Bucks lose game one of the NBA Finals. It's a, it's a familiar position they find themselves in, Frank. They lost game one in round two to Brooklyn. They lost game one in the conference finals to Atlanta. They lose game one to the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals, 118 to 105. Our first experience of watching the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA Finals, I wouldn't say was all that enjoyable, Frank. Um, before we dive into this game, I, I think we should start with Giannis and... We've said in the days prior to this, we did a number of preview pods, lots of discussion about this series. And we said that the hard thing to really judge is whether or not Giannis is going to play. We don't know. I have to say the way that he played and the way that he looked out there, clearly he wasn't at 100%. I mean, there were some things where you're like, okay, he looks like maybe he's a little bit hesitant or a little bit sore. But overall, 20 points, 17 rebounds. For him to come out and play and and quite, quite frankly, just have the, the confidence and the aggression to play the way that he did on some of those attacks to the basket was simply remarkable. And now that the Bucks have dropped this game, it's all about recovery. Hopefully, he is feeling okay tomorrow because a lot of, certainly at the start, it would have been adrenaline carrying him through. But geez, he looked better than I expected. And I, I guess if you're looking for the positive out of tonight, that has to be it. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess if we have to pick a, an individual highlight of the game, I mean, the the chase down block he had oh, um, in the first half, you know, I mean, you, you see him, we've seen him do it so many times where he's kind of sizing it up and it's almost like he's, you know, kind of taking like long jumper strides um, as he's about to, to go in for, for the block. Um, that, that was like one of those plays where it's like, you know, you're, you're equal parts amazed and also like, geez, he could have, you know, hurt himself coming down on the landing. And <laughs> he did land on his right leg. Um, so that, that probably helped. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I-, I would agree. I mean, I think that's the, the, the big positive to be taken from this game. If you're, you know, looking at it from the Bucks perspective is just the fact that, you know, you seemingly got Giannis through 35 minutes. Um, you know, you actually were a plus one in those minutes. Uh, obviously they make the run in the fourth quarter going small, um, after really struggling with, with their bigger lineups throughout the game with, with CP in particular, you know, obviously kind of doing his, his CP thing from mid range and, and also from three at times. Um, so I, I think certainly the Giannis, um, you know, Giannis looking pretty spry about as, you know, about as um, physically violent in his normal Giannis ways as you could probably hope for, given the circumstances that that obviously was uh, was the big positive. And I mean, you just didn't know what to expect, but the way he comes into the game and, you know, he starts with that little kind of um, sort of sells for a little turnaround jump shot um, on Eaton for his first basket, but then 
um, blows by Jay Crowder facing up from the left for a lefty dunk along the baseline and then puts one on Aiton's head um, off two feet on a similar type of, of play. Uh, that obviously kind of was like a good indication that, you know, again, he wasn't jumping purely off his left leg. He was on the block. Um, but uh, that was certainly a, a positive sign just that, you know, physically he was seemingly feeling kind of okay. And, um, you know, even the free throw shooting, he, he kind of got rid of his deep breath as the game went on and was shooting it like before the Suns fans could even get into 10 seconds. Uh, so in a weird way, even though he was only seven out of 12, um, you know, his misses were like rim outs and you know, he wasn't even missing badly on, on his free throws as the game wore on. So, um, so yeah, I think generally kind of start with, with Giannis in this game, just getting him through the game seemingly, you know, looking okay. And, um, you know, I think we, he wasn't as involved obviously as we're used to seeing, but I'd say that's probably not surprise. And I think obviously the question moving forward is going to be, you know, how do you kind of begin to weaponize him more and more um, as the series rolls on? Cause, cause obviously you're going to, you're going to need him to be playing, you know, again, maybe he's not going to be peak Giannis uh, at any point in the series, but you're going to obviously need to have him performing at a really high level in order to beat the sun, especially now that you're, you're down a game. All right. So from the Bucks' perspective, and it was interesting, you know, I was I was having some conversation with Eric and Dean through the game and Mitchell just about the situation, particularly at halftime. And there's no doubt that this game got out of hand in the third quarter. Chris Paul had 16 of his 32 in that third period. He was actually scoreless in the first quarter, but that's where it got out of hand. And I, I always think when you're playing on the road, such a big part of really feeling your way into the game is getting off to a strong start and not falling behind early. And it did feel to me at halftime, and this was one of the concerns that I sort of expressed myself as I was watching that it's very easy to look at the Bucks at halftime and say, well, you know, they bunched, they, they missed a bunch of easy ones. So the fact that they missed a bunch of easy ones, they're sort of being outnumbered at the free throw line. It's probably not time to panic, but I was kind of looking at, at the other way. It felt like a real missed opportunity. The Bucks, in the end, I think they were 13 for 21 in the restricted area, which obviously isn't great. And, and sometimes the stats can be misleading, but geez, they missed a bunch of good ones. They actually led the offensive rebounding count 6-2 to two at halftime, and they just weren't able to capitalize. I mean, Brooke Lopez had a, a number of putbacks that he would normally finish. Chris Middleton had that one layup, which was at a pretty important time that sort of just rolled around and around the rim and went out. And then from that point on, it, as I sort of mentioned, Chris Paul really took over. Booker hit timely shots as it went through the game. But I, I don't actually think that the Bucks struggled to settle into that game. That was kind of how I felt offensively. It looked like they were getting what they wanted. Giannis obviously had a terrific first quarter. You mentioned that two-handed dunk over Aiden, but he had a couple of really nice plays. How did you think the Bucks settled into this game on the road in what is really a pretty hostile environment? I mean, those Phoenix fans have been nuts the whole playoffs. Yeah, they were fine to start. I mean, they, they led in the kind of first few minutes um, as the Suns kind of were missing shots early, maybe some of that you know, rust from, from not having played in, in a while. Um, so I, I think the start was, was fine. Uh, you know, you kind of let it start to slip away a little bit towards the end of the first quarter and Chris Paul not, not scoring at all in the first quarter. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Booker was, was getting to the foul line and, you know, it, it's sort of one of those things like, I mean, the Suns are the better team tonight. It's not like, you know, the Bucks had the game stolen from them or something like that, but, but obviously you know, you look at the, the foul disparity and, and it narrowed in the fourth quarter when Giannis started to, to get fouled a lot. But, um, you know, the Suns 25 out of 26, I mean, 
they also made all their free throws right versus this the Bucks nine out of sixteen. Um, the fact that you know only four free throws for people not named Giannis obviously stands out. Chris Chris got some foul calls, but they were always you know the on the floor uh, three point variety it seemed, and and there were a number of other plays where it just felt like you know there was physicality that was being let go, and then you know there were just a couple like critical plays where it just felt like you know the Suns um, got kind of bailouts on you know tough off balance stuff along the baseline or Booker trying to attack. And, um, you know, again, I think the Bucks need to do better cleaning up some of the, you know, some of the fouls were, you know, obvious fouls that, that they just need to do a better job being more disciplined on. Cause obviously they've, they've done a really good job all season, not fouling, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers, you know, the, the Suns had a 119 offensive rating bucks had a 106 rating. So obviously that's, you know, above average for, for the Suns, not lights out in, probably no small part because the three-point shooting wasn't fantastic (laughs) excuse me um 11 out of 34 from phoenix i think that's probably the thing i you know sort of regret the most looking at this box score is you know the box shoot 16 out of 36 from three they made a just a ton of threes and the irony was they they made a ton of threes in that third quarter but literally that was the only thing they made (laughs) they they basically didn't take any shots around the basket um and uh and really were pretty much completely relying on three-pointing, three-point shooting. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, that becomes more of a regular occurrence, shooting, you know, high volume and and high accuracy from three because uh, I think they're going to need that. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, you just – at the end of the day, you just look at it. I mean, the, the Suns' three best players played very well. Um, you know, Chris Paul was great. Um, Aiton was really good. Uh, kind of doing what he needed to do, and I uh, and the Bucks, you know, had a, a pretty good night from Chris Middleton, 29 on 26 shots. So no free throws again. That efficiency takes a ding there. But um, and Giannis is probably about as good as you expected. But you know, Drew Holiday just very much a kind of Brooklyn series type of game from him. Is his he really just laid an egg? Did have nine assists, but um, you know, 10 points on 14 shots, over four from three. You know, it's it's just not good enough, and and the fact that obviously defensively, um, I think he bothered, um, you know, I think he bothered Booker. He was part of Booker being forced into eight out of twenty-one from the field, but by the same token, um, you know, they obviously didn't really have any answers for for Chris, and that's not really a draw show tonight when they're switching most of the time. Um, but I, I think you know clearly this was a game where you know their best players are better than the Bucks' best players, and. In most games, that that usually tells the story. All right, Frank, I mentioned we were going to have the Michelob Ultra moment of the week, and uh, we're going to get to that right now. And I think from tonight's game, you actually did mention it right off the top with Giannis. It has to be the block. I mean, it was bringing back memories of LeBron in the finals against Golden State a few years ago. I know they showed that on the broadcast. Feels a little bit cliche, but geez, watching the replays, they did look very similar. Just an incredible play from Giannis and uh, yes maybe a little anxiety inducing if you're a Bucks fan particularly with the knee injury and Giannis just returning but just a, a remarkable play from a remarkable athlete uh, remember with Michelob Ultra it's only worth it if you enjoy it with 2.6 carbs and 95 calories we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season Giannis the Michelob Ultra moment of the night Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right, there's no question 
and I've already seen it in some of the sports center stuff, some of the post-game stuff. Everyone's going to be talking about the Bucks defense, Frank. And it's kind of funny because if you think back to the end of game one, everyone was just flaming the drop coverage. You can't have Brook Lopez playing drop coverage. And now everyone's flaming switching. You can't have Brook Lopez switching on the Chris Paul. And this is the ultimate problem that they really they really give you. And, and look, we spoke about it yesterday. And this is why I said that Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton and you can put Booker in there as well. He's obviously excellent in pick and roll situations with the ball in his hand. I think Booker's quickness um, was really flashed a lot of the times where even if it wasn't Brook Lopez, he was, he's just really quick in those first couple steps to get to his spot. But the reason why they're better than Trey Young and the reason why they're more dangerous than Trey Young is because at least when Trey gets around the screen and gets downhill, you kind of know that he's going to try and shoot that floater and he's going to try and get to the free throw line or below. But we saw it on multiple occasions, and Chris Paul is the best in the business at doing this. He'll get to one elbow, and then he'll do this like sideways couple of shuffle dribbles to the other side of the free throw line and then shoot the mid-range. So you're not only asking Brook Lopez to stay in front of the guy, but you need him to be moving laterally quickly as well. And it's just such a brutal ask for him defensively. So I know that it it is easy to look at the Bucks defense and say, well, bud, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing this? But I thought that they showed a bunch of different looks. And there was even a scenario where in the second quarter, or it might've been the third quarter where they went to a timeout. They came out of the timeout. Drew Holiday aggressively fought over the screen. So Brooke Lopez didn't have to switch, stayed in front of Chris Paul. Really nice move there. So then the next possession down the floor, they ran a double screen and Brooke Lopez was uh, manned up on Frank Kaminsky, who was the second screen. So then they ended up with the mismatch anyway, because you, it, it's hard to fight over one screen, let alone two screens. So listen, a lot of credit to Monty Williams, a lot of credit to Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I don't think that this is a night where you can say the Bucks didn't try anything. As you mentioned, they went small down the stretch as well. Chris Paul in particular was just a terror tonight. And then we saw the threat that Aiden provides, not only as a rebounding big, he's a monster on the glass, but his ability to roll to the basket and finish. Because if you find yourself ball watching with Chris Paul, even for a second, you're absolutely toast. So look, uh, full credit to them. I, I don't think it was through lack of trying from the Bucks, but geez, you've got to be perfect on these guys. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's always things like there were there were definitely a few instances, um, you know, the the play where Bobby was trying to like, you know, poke the ball away from Chris Paul, you know, 25 feet from mm-hmm. the basket. And then he got cooked for, for a Chris Paul layup. And, um, you know, Giannis got bamboozled on that that play where, you know, Chris Paul just like veers in front of him and, and Giannis like falls down trying to avoid him basically and gets an and one. Um, so, I mean, there was a couple couple of like, you know, obvious real breakdowns there individually where, where they got burned by, by CP. But I mean, it's sort of these things. It's like people, people use like, you know, Chris Paul shooting a, a step back jumper, you know, over Brooke Lopez from 18 feet as an example of like switching, not working. It's yeah, like, yeah. no, that's, that's like a totally good outcome out of a half court set uh, from, you know, a defensive perspective. Like if he's going to shoot 75% on that shot, then you know, the Suns are just going to win the series. <laughs> like, that's just the way it is. Um, you know, what do you, what do you want them to do? Otherwise it's like, you know, I think Mark Jackson at some point was like, Oh, you got to get Tory Craig and, you know, Jay Crowder to, to take shots. And it's like, okay, that, that, that all sounds, you know, fine and good. <laughs> <Great> but <theory. laughs> if you just double, you know, Paul or Booker, well, a, um, you know, they're brilliant, especially CP. I mean, doesn't turn the ball over. He's going to find, the odd man kind of opportunities. And, you know, that's, that's how you unlock, you know, some of those other guys to, to shoot wide open threes. And, you know, is CP shooting a, a, a 
contested mid-range jumper a worse outcome than you know somebody else getting a, a wide open three i mean i don't you don't have to do some difficult math to say that <laughs> the difficult shot that CP hits is still the better shot to be giving up. And I thought the, you know, the, the, the stuff that the Bucks really need to clean up. I mean, I think they're going to have to obviously take another look and figure out, you know, there's three general configurations they can go against the, 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 the pick and roll, right? Like, I mean, well, there's, there's more than that, but, but, but in simplest terms, and we saw it kind of tonight, there's, you know, kind of traditional lineup and just switch everything, which obviously was, was challenging. Um, there's the, you know, drop, um, the drop option. Uh, and then there's also the, the kind of go small and switch everything, which we saw in the fourth quarter with, with Giannis at center. And obviously you really need Giannis to be able to unlock that. Um, I thought it, at various points on all those, they were pretty sloppy with Aiton. You know, like Aiton was getting loose for, and some of it was off like loose balls and, you know, some, some stuff happening. But, um, but I don't think they were disciplined enough, you know, taking away DeAndre Aiton's role. You know, I mean, I think they did a, much better job generally against Clint Capella last round as far as, you know, really taking him away when they were switching and, and even in the role, like really, you know, basically saying, all right, well, if Trey's going to hurt us, like nobody else is. But I think that was the problem tonight is that not only did, did Paul and Booker hurt them, especially Chris out of uh, pick and roll, but DeAndre Ayton was also able to get, you know, a bunch of easy buckets that way as well. And, you know, he mentioned, I mean, he'd made, you know, had only one game where he made a free throw in the last seven contests. And tonight he goes six out of six you know, which is the most free throws he's, he's made in a, in a game this postseason. So, um, you know, not, not really staying disciplined, not staying home, um, small guys, not really, you know, being able to, um, you know, uh, handle him when he was rolling to the basket, that, that obviously was, was a problem I would say. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, that again, like it's kind of one thing if you're going to get roasted on the mid range jumpers, but you know, you can't sort of give up both, right. You can't give up, the, the role, the role man stuff and, um, and the, the, the ball handler stuff as well. So, um, so I, I thought that was a problem. And then also, I mean, you look at uh, Phoenix 20 fast break points as well. Um, you know, I think just some sloppiness there on the Bucks part. I mean, they had 14 turnovers, which isn't a, a, a terrible number for the Bucks. Um, but you know, Phoenix does a really nice job taking care of the ball. They had, uh, they had nine turnovers tonight and Bucks did have 17 fast break points of their own, but, um, you know, it just felt like Phoenix just got too many easy buckets. And uh, ultimately, you know, I think, uh, you know, again, there's going to be probably more focus put on the hard shots than they made rather than the easy shots that they made, which I think we would both say is kind of probably missing the point, especially when you think about, you know, how do you adapt and adjust? And, and again, I, I mean, there's not going to be, you're not going to beat the Suns in a seven game series playing just one way the entire time. You're going to have to try some different things. Um, we're going to have to see the Bucks go small at times with Giannis at center. We're going to have to see probably the Bucks, you know, stay big and plays drop. And, you know, you just hope that, that those guys just don't, don't kill you from mid range and you get up, do a better job getting over screens and contesting and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of probably preaching the choir, you know, we, we saw it last series as well. Game one, you know, the drop got killed and, and game two, it, it didn't, they made some slight tweaks. They did a little different things and it worked a lot better. You know, we'll have to see what they do next game. If, uh, kind of how they, how they adapt. But I would certainly say like, you know, at this point they've, they've, they've done different flavors of everything. Um, so at least they, you know, hopefully can, can break out the, in case of emergency options when needed, but you know, by the same token, you just hope that they can do a better job executing. And, you know, the, if you're going to, if you're going to drop the, you know, Drew or, whoever's coming over top just does a much better job of uh, 
of challenging shots on, on those rear contests. Frank, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers, you have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket on your mobile phone. So why mess around? Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business. It's been serving auto. Uh, it's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Let me spit that out. They have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com yeah and if you're looking for another little positive i was at least a little bit surprised that they just came straight out and switched from the outset i think we mm-hmm. i was of, too yeah yeah i think we both speculated that Look, they might try the drop and see how this this starts um, the series because you know historically we've seen that game one is not an adjustment game for the Bucks, certainly not within the game. I mean, that's what we saw against Atlanta, no doubt about that. So, you know, I mean, the Bucks have been prepared to try something that's NBA Finals, of course. And sometimes you do have to tip your hat, Frank, and say, "Geez, the, some of those shots they were making were ridiculous." I don't think I, I saw some suggestions that, well, you can't play Brook in this series. No, no, I, I'm not believing that's the case. And again, actually, offensively. I mentioned some of the, the tips that he missed. He probably could have cashed in a little bit more there, Brook Lopez, but again, came with timely shots um, through the course of the night, despite the fact that I don't think he saw the floor at all in the fourth quarter, which again is exactly what happened in game one against Atlanta, actually. And we saw the Bucks did make a little bit of a run there. I uh, And look, this was a concern coming in. I, when I did the crossover pod with um, David Nash, the Phoenix um, reporter or that covers the, the Suns, he said, you know, sometimes Monty Williams goes deep into the rotation a little bit too much and you kind of wish that he would just play his best players a little bit more. The Bucks don't really have an option at the moment. You know, I don't think we saw enough Jeff Teague out there on the floor to get furious about it. But we did see an example tonight on multiple occasions, whether it was Cam Johnson that is able to hit timely shots. I mean, those guys have consistently had big nights. Campaign in the fourth quarter when the Bucks were actually looking like they were threatening. Campaign had a, a nice finish at the rim. Then he hit a big three. And it was like, oh my goodness, they're making their run. And Campaign is the guy stopping you. And I do think that that is the difference between these two teams right now. Particularly if you count the fact that PJ Tucker is out there on the floor, who's been incredible through the postseason, no doubt about it. But you're just not getting anything offensively from him unless he's going to have a night in this series where he's four for five on those corner threes, right? And then you really cash in on his shooting as a role player. So Phoenix are deeper. They look like they've got more guys that are playable. And I just think if those role players are going to be out on the floor, it doesn't have to be catastrophic. In fact, when Jeff Teague was on the floor in the second quarter, I was like, oh, you know, he's not defending Chris Paul. I mean, that's, again, that's an improvement from him standing out there guarding Trey Young in game one of the last series. He hit a three. I'm like, okay, this is nice. And then next possession, when you have Middleton out on the floor, when you have, uh, I think it was Drew, you had a couple of key players out on the floor and he's like, you know what, boys? I'm just going to try and try a couple of crossover moves here and see if I can't get myself a basket. Then he follow over himself and it was a turnover. And it's like, okay, role players, if you're going to be out there, 
just play within yourself, okay? Do what you're out there to do. Shoot the open three. Teague's been very good at that throughout the entire season. We don't need you trying to cross people up on the perimeter. And I thought, again, late in the fourth quarter when the Bucks were, you know, I mean, I was skeptical that they were going to be able to get close enough. But that early one-legged fadeaway baseline, Bryn Forbes jump shot, I'm like, you yeah, know what? We, we don't need that. Particularly... Yeah. Because if you're out in the perimeter, I see people say, just shoot catch and shoot threes, which is fine. And I know I've made the joke all season long that Bryn Falls doesn't even know what an assist is. But if it's still a really good situation to be in. If he pump fakes and the defender flies out of bounds, then you should be in a good position to find something, whether it's a Bryn Forbes jump shot or it is a pass to someone else. You should be able to get something. I just thought it was a waste. So the role players, when they're out there, they're not playing big minutes. Just got to be smart. Play within yourself. Yeah, that, that Forbes baseline shot stands out because that was early in the clock as well. And, um, you know, Drew had a number of plays where, you know, it was him taking an early clock jump shot without yeah. making a single pass. and Which is probably more know. important, right, Frank? Like with Drew Holiday rather than, than Brent Forbes. I mean, he has, to, he has to be one of the best players on the floor. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, if Drew is having a good game, you know, you give him the rope and you let him... You know, you let him, well, you don't let him hang himself with it, right? Like, unfortunately, that's what it felt like tonight <laughs> that he was, you know, trying to stay aggressive. But then, um, you know, that, that's kind of obviously just sort of one of the fundamental differences between Drew and, you know, a true, like, kind of, you know, superstar, all time point guard like Chris Paul. Like, Drew just doesn't have the same feel for, you know, decision making. And, you know, he obviously doesn't have, you know, that same, um, that same quality from, from mid range that, that Chris does, or, you know, obviously tonight we saw kind of the worst of, of Drew Holiday and we saw kind of the best of Chris Paul. So, you know, certainly tonight is not, you know, the thing to extrapolate uh, on, you know, how good the, both those guys are big picture, but, um, but yeah, just, just uh, some of the decision-making obviously just wasn't, wasn't what you would want it to be. Um, I thought, uh, you know, you mentioned Brooke, I mean, 17 points in 23 minutes. I mean, he, he was part of the, the three point shooting that we saw in that third quarter. And, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, five, five, six rebounds total, five of them offensive. Um, and I think all of them were probably in that first half when the Bucks had a bunch of tips, tip opportunities, opportunities, and just, you know, seemingly could just not get, um, really any of those to drop, which, you know, felt like that was, that was why they, you know, were, were trailing by, you know, four to six points in that kind of late first, early second quarter when it felt like they probably should have been winning the game. And, you know, I mean, they, they also, they go down eight at the end at, at halftime when they had been kind of sticking closer up until that point, I think they were, it was like 52, 49, and then it ends up going to 57, 49 at halftime. And, you know, just those little, you, know, you kind of just lose those quarters on the margin and that stuff adds up. They lost the first quarter sort of at the end there a little bit. They lose the second quarter there on the end a little bit. And, you know, next thing you know, you're down eight in a, in a tough road environment. And, you know, it was good to see them obviously make a bunch of threes in the second half. And, you know, Chris sort of shot his way out of, um, you know, some kind of inconsistent early shooting. Um, I think he was five out of 13 in the first half, seven out of 13 in the second half. But the flip side is, you know, he, he obviously is only going to do so much by himself. And Giannis obviously was not going to have a, we all knew he was probably not going to have a, a big night tonight. And, you know, again, you, you just get very little from drew it's uh it's just kind of hard to hard to kind of make it work but you know i mean that's the thing kind of you look at it if you get a good performance from drew holiday you know then you're right in this game but um unfortunately um you know we've kind of seen it all playoffs it's just 
seemingly really hard to get all those guys clicking at the same time. And, you know, Drew and Drew and Chris really got clicking the last two games with Giannis out. <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, Drew, uh, for his part, was not able to keep it going here um, in, in the first game of, you know, the, the last series that, that you, you've got in front of you. All right. Well, there's plenty of basketball to be played in this series. Before we uh, come to our final points here, I will say starting July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford and Odyssey NBA experts, Brian Scalabrini and former general manager, Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. I don't know why uh, this made me think of this, but it, I just mentioned music. I had a dream last night I was at, uh, at Summerfest, Frank. So anyway, uh, that's, that's, that's all I've got to, to bring to you from my sleep last night. But it's interesting that you talk about Drew Holiday here because... It's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, you just mentioned the fact that they haven't been able to get all three guys going at once. We certainly saw it in stretches during the regular season, in periods during the regular season where they've worked well together. But the Drew Holiday piece, they've got to get him going when Giannis is in the lineup. And and I know the ball is in his hands less frequently when Giannis is out on the floor, but he does really seem to just strictly turn into a jump shooter. And when I say a jump shooter, a step-back jump shooter when Giannis is in the lineup. And I know the calculus changes a little bit, but I don't know how you fix that. I mean, you've got to find a way to get him going. Just as an update from the post-game, Giannis, uh, I've got it on uh, here as we're doing this pod. And, and you know, he, he looks pretty positive. Bit of a smile on his face. Says that he thought that he destroyed his whole knee, as we probably all did last week. But he, he felt no pain tonight. That's the word coming out of Giannis. Now, keep in mind, he would never admit it, even if he did. But uh, he says he felt no pain, expects to be better in game two. But yeah, the Drew Holiday Giannis stuff, they've got to figure this out because, as you said, they just need more from Drew. 10 points on 4 for 14 shooting isn't going to cut it in the finals. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not much else to, to say about it. You know, obviously, I think especially with Aiton, they, they can, you know, make the, the restricted area harder to attack for sure. Um, but, you know, I mean, that, that's Clint Capella was a, was a pretty good shot blocker too. And they figured him out last, last series as well. So, um, you know, you just gotta gotta figure it out, and um, you know, you just look at the box score. Ultimately, a lot of things were very close. I mean, paint points, uh, Suns end up plus two, uh, total shots, forty for eighty-eight for the Bucks, forty-one out of eighty-eight for the Suns. So, you know, literally from just the raw field goal shooting, it was pretty much dead mm-hmm. even. Um, and you know, ultimately, I think the the difference was just five fewer turnovers by the Suns and then a whole mess more free throws, right? I mean, that, that, that really was the, the differential right there. And the Bucks' advantage from three-point range just, uh, you know, was not significant enough to, to kind of put a dent in it. But, um, you know, Phoenix, 18 assists. It's not like, you know, this was a master class of ball movement. They just, you know, ultimately had some really good shot making from, from Chris Paul in particular. And, um, you know, I think uh, it was interesting. Dario Saric hasn't played a lot. Uh, he didn't play a lot last series. Um, I think he was generally no more than 10 minutes or, or fewer, but um, he limped off tonight. I, did you see an update on him? It looked like he might have, his knee might have had an issue when he planted. I, it didn't look It, it looked unstable, uh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not an incident I think you would feel good about if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, for sure. As you said, I mean, like he, he didn't play so much in the last series, but yeah, it was... It, 
it wasn't pleasant to look at anyway. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, the interesting thing there is, you know, that, that leaves you really with Frank Kaminsky plays four minutes. I mean, you know, are they going to um, have him play? Like, is he going to get like the Jeff Teague treatment where he plays in the first half and, you know, they hope to see if he threes or something. I don't know, but um, you know, other than Kaminsky and Sharch each play two and four minutes and then, you know, Torrey Craig, Cam Johnson and campaign are the only guys off the bench that play. So, I mean, Phoenix is basically down to, I mean, they, they actually played fewer guys 10 minutes than the Bucks. Bucks had mm-hmm. nine guys play 10 or more minutes. The Suns um, only, only eight. So um, certainly that'll be interesting to watch. I mean, Cam Johnson and campaign have, have been both, both very solid throughout the playoffs. Craig's been giving them, you know, pretty solid minutes too. So um, I think that'll be an interesting Terry, Terry Craig did have three fouls in 16 minutes was a minus 10. So, um, you know, hopefully he doesn't uh, come back to haunt the box too much, but, um, but yeah, I mean, certainly neither of these teams are, are going to be playing, you know, 10 dudes from, from here on out. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be the main guys having to, to kind of shoulder the load and carry the burden. And, um, you know, I mean, Chris Paul, Chris Paul played 37 minutes, um, drew 40, Milton 45, Giannis 35. Um, so I, I, I'm actually kind of curious how many minutes Chris Paul has been playing. Cause you know, I think such a big thing for the Suns has been that, you know, when, when he's up the floor campaign and book can still really do well leading, um, leading those, those kind of second unit offenses. Um, and, you know, Chris Paul last five games, including this one, he's been at between 35 and 39 minutes. So, you know, you're going to get, opportunities to to have him off the floor uh for sure but you know the question is obviously can you can you take advantage of those enough and then can you kind of survive when uh when he's uh when he is on the floor because certainly closing out the clippers and in the in the last round and tonight um you know he's shot over 60 percent from the field he was was he seven out of eight from three in the clippers game four out of seven tonight i mean hey you know, he's shooting 47%, 41% um, for the playoffs. So uh, hopefully he, he looks more like that version of Chris Paul than the guy we saw tonight next game. But, um, you know, again, the, every, you know, the finals, it's, it's by definition a small sample size. So you just have to obviously hope the Bucks figure some things out and can make things a bit more uncomfortable for those guys in the next game. Don't give away quite so many, um, you know, fouls and free throws. And, uh, and then, you know, obviously the Bucks. Bucks best players and hopefully some role players too can can contribute. Yeah, what's up with that, David Nash? You told us the other day on the podcast that Chris Paul hasn't been shooting threes. He looks like he's shooting them pretty damn well uh, to me. But yeah, I mean, he was great tonight. He's a great player. Uh, I I am a little bit curious. I did see a tweet that said that the crowd inside Fiserv Forum uh, gave a big cheer when Frank Kaminsky checked into the game. I'm wondering if that was because they were supporting him for because he's from Wisconsin or they were cheering because they wanted Frank Kaminsky in the game. So anyway, just something that I wondered. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how much of a factor he is in the rest of the series. But the Bucks go down, as you pointed to, I think, uh, very well, Frank. Uh, I didn't walk away from this game thinking this is a, a series or a team the Bucks can't beat. It seemed very obvious where the problems were. And, you know, you hope across the course of the series you get a better Giannis, a more healthy Giannis, a more confident Giannis. And then, of course, uh, yeah, you need a bit more from Drew and and all of a sudden you're right back in it. There was a lot of fixable, uh, I don't want to say mistakes, just a lot of 
a lot of easily, hope, hopefully, things that, that went wrong that you would normally uh, fix in terms of shots close to the basket, transition defense, those types of things. So plenty of room for improvement for the Bucs. There's no doubt about that. As I said, listen, we've been in this position the last two series as well. So it's not like it's unfamiliar territory for me or you, Frank, or for any Bucs fans. But we'll wrap it up. Game two, only one day off before game two. So, you know, you, d- you don't have to dwell on this one for too long. We'll be right back out there. We will podcast tomorrow and then again after the post game. So uh, we thank you all for listening tomorrow. We'll talk about some of the, the adjustments. We'll have an update on Giannis, how he's recovered the next day. So plenty to work through. Uh, we thank you all for listening. For Frank and myself, we'll catch you guys tomorrow.